Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Holy and loving God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that led those so long ago to write down these stories of Jesus, of Jesus' love, Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry. God, we ask that your same Spirit move among our hearts today, molding our hearts, shaping our hearts, driving our hearts to follow you, to follow Jesus in all that we do. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. I'd like for you to think with me this moment and think about what was the best Christmas gift that you've ever received? What was the best Christmas gift that you ever received? Do you got it? All right, hang on to that. I was around five or six years old, and I remember getting my very first big boy bicycle. This thing was awesome. It was lime green with black stripes on it, and I, I just rode it everywhere. And this would be the first of many bicycles to come as Christmas gifts. And I remember saying when I saw that under the Christmas tree that first morning, this is the best gift ever. When I was about 12 years old, we moved to a small community in central Arkansas where several of my school friends and church friends lived, and we lived just a few blocks away from our community pool, and this was a great setup. We swam every day in the heat of the summer. We had swim team practice from 7 a.m. to about 8.30. We went home for a little bit. We had a snack, and then we'd be back at the pool when it opened up at 11 o'clock. We might went home during dinner time, but we closed the pool at dark. We were there all day, every day. And so we would make our way to and from the pool, back to the house, back to the pool by means of a bicycle. A bicycle. It seemed that every Christmas, this was on the top of our list of Christmas wishes. A brand new bicycle. Now, me and my friends, we were in the fifth or sixth grade, and, and as traveling back and forth, we were allowed to do that, but there were a few rules that were in place. First rule are the obvious, wear your helmet, look both ways before you cross the street. But we had a set of two other rules, two other rules that was, I think might have been unique, probably not, to our group of friends. First, we had a check-in, and second, we had a ride within the boundaries. We had a check-in, and we had a ride within the boundaries. For each parent, check-in was a little bit different. For my parents, it was every hour on the hour. You had to check-in. And you could do this in person, or you could do it via the phone. Now, this was back in ancient times when we did not have mobile phones. Does anybody remember those times? But we had this really gnarly machine that looked something like this. Y'all remember this thing? Completely sanitary to use, right? I remember swabbing like, like test strips on the, like the receiver and then taking it and putting it in Petri dishes and seeing what grew. Oh, this thing was nasty. But it didn't matter. We had to use it because we had to check in. We even thought that we were clever. We called our parents, collect, and waited for the beep, and so they would get this message on the other end that said, well, you received a collect call from Chase is okay. Yeah. We thought, we thought we were clever, right? But we found a way to check in. And we also had 
boundaries. We had to stay within boundaries. And I remember my dad sitting me down and establishing the parameters of which I was allowed to ride my bicycle. He said, you can ride up to two blocks in each direction of the house, and that will at least get you to the pool and back. You can ride within two blocks of each direction of the house. That'll get you to the pool and back. But what I heard was you can ride two blocks from a house around the pool. <laughs> Typical 12-year-old me, right? So this was our little community, and you can see it kind of outlined, that two-block parameter. Our home was next to the golf course up at the top. The pool is in a little green square all the way down at the bottom. This was our riding parameter. And my best friend, Robert, Robert we called him Robbie, lived at the edge of this two-block parameter. And guess what he got for Christmas? a new bike. So I thought we should go for a ride. I also thought that if I stopped at Robert's house and we departed from his location on a secondary journey, that I could ride farther than my designated area. You see, Robert had two other blocks accessible to him, which were outside of my limitations. And so my hypothesis was, by being on a journey from his house, I would be privy to a riding parameter that extended by proximity. Make sense? Well, it gets better. As a bonus, I thought that this would bring us close to my dad's place of employment. Therefore, I could do a check-in in person. I thought this was a good idea, but my calculations were incorrect. And Robert and I ended up not taking a two-block journey, but a two-mile journey to Dad's work. And we rolled up, and Dad was outside waiting on us. And um, he was not thrilled. He was not pleasantly surprised. There was nothing welcoming about his demeanor. He just asked one question. What do you think you're doing? You are way beyond your boundaries. And even in my answer, he was not impressed with my logistical reasoning because all I could think about was, we're just riding our bikes. It's what we do. Needless to say, I didn't get to ride for a little while after that. But it is, it is what we did. We, we rode to the pool, to a friend's house, to the park, or a random four-mile journey to my dad's work. We filled our time with the gifts that we received on almost every Christmas. Our bicycles. Now, we didn't know it at the time, but the reason Dad was outside his office waiting on us was our community had called him. We lived in an area where the community raised and cared for the kids, so Dad had already received calls that Robert and I were spotted in several areas outside of our normal riding parameters. He figured out that we were headed his way. The practice of communal care and raising is something that Jesus and his contemporaries experienced during their childhood. In making this journey to Jerusalem for Passover, they would have traveled with extended family members, kinfolks, friends, the whole community all together. They were usually split up in two groups. The women and children would make their way first, and then the men would meet up with them along the way. The groups traveled in close-knit mutual trust. Of course, bicycles and telephones were not a thing back then, and I'm not sure how their check-in system worked, but we know that Jesus was nearing adulthood, so he would have had the choice to either travel with the men or to travel with the women and the children. We're not exactly sure what happened, but while Joseph and Mary met up, they realized that Jesus was not there. 
Jesus was missing, missing on the journey. And so they made their way back to Jerusalem. And a few days later, they found Jesus in the temple, listening, reading scriptures, teaching and asking questions. Now, I found this picture and I absolutely love this picture. Look at the concern in Mary and Joseph's eyes. Look how they are lovingly holding on to Jesus in this moment. Now, I don't know about you, but if I would have went missing for a day and my parents would have found me, my mom would have had a hold, not of my arm in a loving manner, but probably that tender spot on the back of the arm. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's funny because I was at 12 years age. I was three times my mom's size already. She's really little and she's itty bitty, but when she wanted your attention and she got a hold of that little tender spot on the back of the arm, she had your undivided attention. So I don't know if we're getting the full story here in this picture, but I digress. Mary, with her hand gently resting on Jesus' arm, asked Jesus, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And Jesus' response, did you not know that it was necessary for me to be here in the temple. It was necessary for me to be here and to do what I am doing. There might have been a longer conversation that took place, something we're not getting from this picture or even from the text. We hear that Jesus increased in wisdom and a year later in divine human favor. Mary and Joseph thought they had lost Jesus mid-journey. Yet... Jesus was busy in the temple, searching the scriptures, asking questions, being active in divine work. In this story, Luke offers this glimpse into the life and the ministry of Jesus, busying himself with divine work. We see it here at the beginning of Luke when Jesus is young, and we see it again at the end of Luke when when Luke recaps this same scenario, another story where two people are on a journey away from Jerusalem, and they believe they had lost Jesus. This story is the story of the disciples to Emmaus. After Jesus' death, they thought they had lost Jesus forever, and they're making their way back. And yet, Jesus, being resurrected, reveals himself to the disciples and says to them, it was necessary, here's that word again, necessary for me to experience the things that happened over the past few days. It was necessary. They thought they had lost Jesus. But once again, Jesus, as in his early life and throughout his life, Jesus was busy doing divine work during his death and resurrection. I loved that little green bike. I loved all the other mountain bikes that I received on various Christmases, But I'll be honest, I haven't ridden a bicycle in several years. I ride a bike now, but it's not one that you can pedal. But we know those things that we received long ago are gone now because they are material things. Things that we know are just temporary. Now we love to give gifts. We love to receive gifts. We love to see our kids' and loved ones' faces light up when they receive a gift. We love ourselves to unwrap a gift that's given to us. We love to play this crazy Santa game in which we see which gifts are open, which ones are frozen, which ones are available, and which ones we can steal. Even amongst all of this, we know that all of these gifts are temporary. We even understand the meaning behind the gifts. 
that the meaning behind the gifts given are far greater than the gifts itself. That's what we say. And it's true that care and thought went into the gift-giving process. When we receive, when we give, when we exchange, or when we steal gifts, there are wonderful moments of hope, of joy, of love, and of peace. Hope of utilizing or experiencing this gift received. The joy of something being received from a loved one. The joy of giving a gift to a loved one. The love that went into planning and considering the perfect gift for that person or that event. And the peace that maybe even happens between siblings as they open gifts under a Christmas tree. As wonderful as these moments are, they are short-lived in the broadness of eternity. We spent the last season of Advent looking forward to this true meaning of Christmas, the perfect gift that God is with us. And for this perfect gift, Christ was busy in divine work, in his birth, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. And through Christ's work, we have received the eternal gift of hope, of love, of joy and peace. It's not a gift that will ever rust or break or be lost in the journey of time, for this gift is eternally divine. And through his example, Christ invites us to fill our time with the gift we celebrate receiving each Christmas, to be busy in sharing this gift with our friends, our family, our extended families, our community, and to be active in the necessary work of sharing the good news that God is with us through Jesus Christ, and that we have eternal hope, eternal love, eternal joy, and eternal peace. And that, my friends, is the best gift ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.